Chapter 12 of Peeps at People, being certain papers from the writings of Anne Warrington Witherup, by John Kendrick Bangs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 12, General Whaler. Anne Warrington Witherup, read by K. Hand. General Weiler, read by Philip Gould. Upon returning to my London lodgings, I was greatly rejoiced to find awaiting me there a cable message from the War Department at Washington, saying that if I would visit General Whaler at Madrid and secure from him a really frank expression of his views concerning our Spanish imbroglio, the President would be very glad to give me a commission as First Assistant Vivandier to the Army of the Philippines with rank of Captain. I saw at once that in endeavoring to secure an interview with this particular celebrity, I ran risks far greater than any I had yet encountered, greater even than those involved in my visit to Mr. Kane at his Manx home. It is my custom, however, to go wherever duty may call, and inasmuch as my sex has, since the days of Joan of Arc, secured military recognition nowhere except in the ranks of the Salvation Army, I resolved to accept the commission, and notified the War Department accordingly. Fortunately, my style of beauty is of the Spanish type, and, furthermore, when at boarding school, many years ago in Brooklyn, I had studied the Spanish tongue, so that disguise was not difficult. I had seen Carmencita dance at a private residence in New York, and had therefore some slight knowledge of how a full-fledged senorita should enter a room, so that on the whole I went to Madrid tolerably confident that I could beard the great Spanish lion in his den and escape unscathed. Purchasing a lace mantilla and a scarlet scarf about eight feet long, my feet covered with red slippers and a slight suggestion of yellow silk hosiery peeping from beneath a satin skirt of the length prescribed by the rainy day club, and armed with a pack of cards and a pair of castanets, I ventured forth upon my perilous mission. Nothing of moment occurred on the journey. I did not don my Spanish dress until I had left England behind. Indeed, I had reached the Pyrenees before I arrayed myself in my costume although I was most anxious to do so. It was, after all, so fetching. Once in Spain, I had no difficulty at all, and in fact made myself very popular with the natives by telling most charming fortunes for them, and dancing the armadillo and the obadildoc with a verve which pleased them and surprised even myself. I have always known myself to be a resourceful creature, but I had never dreamed that among my reserve accomplishments the agility and grace of a premier danseuse could be numbered. It was a Friday evening when I reached Madrid, and Saturday morning, bright and early, I called at General Whaler's house. A rather stunning banderillo opened the front door and inquired my business. Tell General Whaler, I said, that Senorita Gypsy del Castellanos de Sierra de Santiago of Newark, New Jersey, wishes to speak with him on affairs of national importance. I had resolved upon a bold stroke, and it worked to a charm. The general, who is mortally afraid of assassins, had been listening from his usual hiding-place behind the hat-rack. Pushing the hat-rack from before him, he stepped out into the hall, and, standing between me and the door, inquired threateningly if Newark, New Jersey, was not one of the dependencies of the United States. I answered him in fluent Spanish that it was, told him that I had lived there through no fault of my own for three years, had had to fly before a mob because of my pro-Spanish sympathies, and, traveling night and day, had come to lay before him a complete sketch of the fortifications of Newark, together with the ground plan of Harlem, which, as I informed him, he would have to take before he could possibly hope to place Washington in a state of siege. 
I also gave him a chart showing by what waterways a Spanish fleet could approach and reduce Niagara Falls to ashes, a blow which would strike England and the United States with equal force, without necessarily altering the status quo ante with Great Britain. The general, like the quick-witted soldier that he is, became interested at once. The lowering aspect of his brow cleared like the summer clouds before an August sun, and, with an urbanity which I had not expected, invited me to step into his sanctum. I accepted with alacrity. I cannot say that it was a pleasant room. It was in military disorder. Machetes and murderous-looking pistols were everywhere, and the chair to which I was assigned was a pleasant little relic of the Inquisition, and was so arranged that had the general so wished, the arms holding hidden iron spikes would fold about me at any moment and give me a hug I should not forget in a hurry. Added to this was a series of Kodak pictures of all the atrocities of which he was guilty while in Havana. These were framed in one massive oaken frieze running from one end of the room to the other and labeled on a gilt tablet with black letters, Snap Shots I Have Snapped, or Pleasant Times in Cuba. This demonstrates that Weiler is one of those rarely fortunate people who take pleasure and pride in the profession they are called upon to follow. General, said I, once we were seated, did it ever occur to you that if you were two feet shorter and clean-shaven, with a different nose and a smaller mouth and a shorter chin and a bigger brow and less curve to your arms when you walk, you would resemble Napoleon Bonaparte? The general was evidently pleased by my compliment. Did you think so? said he with a smile which absolutely froze my soul. I do, I said meekly, and then I began to weep. I was really unnerved and began to wish I had never accepted the commission. He was so frightfully cold-blooded and toyed with a stiletto of razor-like sharpness so carelessly that I was truly terrified. Don't cry, Gypsy, he said. War is a terrible thing. But we will beat those Yankee pigs yet. This, of course, was before peace was declared. The remark nerved me up again. He believed in me, and that was half the battle. Oh, I hope so, General, I sobbed. But how? Poor old Spain has nothing to fight with. Spain has me, Signorita, he cried passionately. And I, single-handed, will give them battle. But you do not know the country, General, said I. Don't risk your life. I beg of you, our only hope. I haven't a doubt that in a fight with pigs you will win, but, General, the United States is so vast, so complicated, it is full of pitfalls. I could see that I had worked him up. Signorita, he cried, fear not for Weiler. Think you that I do not know America? Ha ha! I know it every inch. And let me tell you this. It is because I have devoted hour after hour day after day, night after night, to the study of the United States, and, best of all, they do not suspect it over there. Why? Because of my strategy. When I wished to learn where was situated the city of Ohio, did I send to New York for a map? Not I. I knew that if I bought a map in New York, the house of which I bought it would advertise me as one of their patrons. I am too old a Spaniard to be caught like that. Here his voice sank to a whisper, and leaning forward he added impressively, I sent for a railway timetable. 
Figures express to my mind what lines on maps could not express to others. What did I learn from the New York Central timetable, for instance? Dies. Ohio is twelve hours from New York. Good, say you. But what does that mean? Traveling at the rate of four miles an hour, Ohio is just forty-eight miles from New York City. Forty-eight miles! Pah! By forced marches, our troops could cover that in teen days. The general snapped his fingers. But why Ohio, general? I asked. The most important city in the American Union, he replied. Ohio captured, we have the home of McKinley. Ohio captured, we have captured 80% of the Yankees' public officials. Your minister of state comes from there. All the vocal powers of the Senate. All their political resource. Ah! He cried, ecstatically rubbing his hands together. They little know me. Let them destroy our navy. Let them take the Philippines. Let them blockade Cuba. Let them do what they please. Spain will wait. Spain will wait a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade, a century. But we least expected a new fleet built secretly, a new army recruiting now on the DQ. This is a translation. We'll dash into New York Harbor, up the Missouri River, through the Raritan Canal, and Ohio will lie at our mercy. And then, said I, overwhelmed, We'll hold Ohio until the pig gives back the Philippines and Cuba, said the general suavely. Now, General, said I, pursing my lips, your plan is a mighty good one, and I hope you'll try to put it through. But let me tell you one thing, your timetables have misled you. In the first place, any part of Ohio worth talking of is 18 hours from New York by rail, not 12. New York Harbor is mined all the way from Fortress Monroe to the Golden Gate, and you can't get to Ohio by a dash up the Missouri River and the Raritan Canal, because those two waterways above Los Angeles are not navigable. It is very evident that you, in studying a railroad map, have forgotten that they are designed to advertise railroads and have no geographical significance whatsoever. Are you sure? he asked. Perfectly, said I. I have lived in the country, as I have told you, for three years, and I know what I am talking about. Dean, what shall I do to attack Ohio? he demanded. Well, said I, the question is not easy to answer. But I think if you would first capture Hoboken, Yes, he said, making a note of my suggestion, and then take your transports, guarded by your fighting ships, out as far as Rahway, I continued. I have it here, said he, putting it down. Land your troops there and send 150,000 south to Bangor and 100,000 north to Louisville, Kentucky, with a mere handful of sharpshooters to overawe the Seminoles at Seattle, and then let the troops close in, said I. I understand, said he enthusiastically. If you will do that, I put in, you will come as near to capturing Ohio as any man can come. 
the general rose up and excitedly paced the floor. Signorita, he said at length, you have done your country a service. But for you, my plans would all have fallen through. Because based upon the unreliable information put forth upon an ignorant people by corrupt railway officials, I have studied with care every railway map issued in the United States fourteen years past. I had supposed that Ohio could be reached by way of the Missouri and the Raritan. I had supposed that to bring about the fall of Nebraska, where their immortal general, for I admit that those pigs have occasionally produced a man, O'Brien leaves. It could be attacked by a land and sea force simultaneously. Should the land forces approach the city from the Chicago side, and the fleet pass the forts at Galveston, and sail up Chesapeake Bay, without further molestation. Hmm, I see from what you have told me that these maps are falsus in uno, anyhow. I am wondering now if they are not falsus in omnibus. I shouldn't be surprised if they were even falsus in trolleybus, I put in, with a feeble attempt at humor. Certainly they have misled you, General. But, he cried angrily, I am not to be thwarted. My ultimate idea remains unchanged. On to Ohio is my watchword. When that falls, the rest will be easy. Thanks to the information you have given, I now know how it may be done. And I assure you, Signorita, that you will not be forgotten. In the... Ah... Uh, the... Here his sallow features grew animated, and a flush of real pleasure crossed them as he finished. In the, uh, reorganization. There is to be a reorganization, then, I asked. Yes. He answered. That is certain, and on the whole, it is good that there is to be. People are always pleased with that which is novel, and up to this time... There have been no kings on the throne bearing the name of Valeriano. I think Valeriano I will make a very pretty autograph. Don't you? Indeed I do, I cried. Write one for me, won't you? But the sagacious warrior merely winked his eye, and by a swish of his machete, courteously gave me to understand that the audience was over. I immediately cabled to Washington the results of my interview, and by the time I got back to London, had the pleasure of reading in the newspapers that the United States Senate had confirmed my appointment of First Assistant Vivandier to the Department of Manila, with the rank of Captain, for services rendered, wherefore I have given up the pleasant task of interviewing celebrities for the sterner duties of war. I was glad also to learn that the administration, acting upon my advices, had taken steps to make Ohio impregnable by sea in any event. The Gibraltar of American politics should not be allowed to fall into the hands of a ruthless Castilian like Weiler, and frankly, whatever else our government will permit, I do not think it will ever do this, and as long as we possess Ohio we need have no fear that we shall be governed by foreign people. The End End of Chapter 12 End of Peeps at People Being Certain Papers from the Writings of Anne Warrington Witherup by John Kendrick Bangs